0: I want to greet you all uh, in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you well? Can we, can we stand together, please? We, we made a, 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 an announcement just now about um, uh, ki- the kids' recruit, um, and, uh, and I, j- I just wanted to emphasize that we, we can't do what we do without family that comes together and serve one another. We have people that pray for the service and cover you in prayer. In fact, they carry you throughout the throughout the week, and we pray specifically together corporately before before the service. We have people who labor in the early hours of the morning to prepare so that they can usher us into the presence of God. We have people in the blue shirts who who, who serve us during the service so that we don 't have to worry about anything. We can just focus uh, on the presence of God. We have people who serve in the youth uh, we have we have people who serve us, to, who, who, who clean up um, after us when, when, when we're done. We have people who serve in the coffee shop. So we have people serving in the multimedia desk who are doing an awesome job. Um, one, of the most, one of the key areas uh, that, w- that we, we have people serving in is people who not only just look after our kids, but who minister um, to our kids during, during our worship services. Uh, I want to tell you that what happens up, up there with the kids is phenomenal. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit... He doesn't send a junior version of himself to, to the to the kids, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit ministers there powerfully, and and it's awesome to have more people who's serving in that area. So I want to encourage once again, if you uh, could consider serving in that area. In fact, the reason I'm asking everybody to stand is if the Lord is laying this upon your heart, or if you have a curiosity, we want to invite you to go up right now. I think. Uh, maybe some people we, uh, went with mine and Evelyn upstairs, but if you 'll go up to the first floor they 'll be able to just take you through everything, do a bit of a walk around, familiarize you with uh, what what it is that they do so i 'm going to ask you to make your way there. Um, we do record these sermons we we have podcasts available so you can catch the podcast um, if, uh, <laughs> if, um, if, if if that runs over but um, I'm making an appeal to you to serve us in this way. If you're not currently serving in any way, please consider serving this family um, in, in, in that way. Is that okay? Amen. Amen. All right, let's grab our seats. We, we have, uh, we, we're embarking on a brand new series. Uh, so we've just come out, of our, uh, 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 our series in the book of Song of Solomon, The King's Letter, and we are embarking on a brand new series called Frontlines, uh, Winning at Work. This is an exciting series. As I, as I see everybody just m- m- milling out, it makes me glad. You know, sometimes as a, pre- as, a, as a preacher, people just start walking out when you start talking. It can give you a few issues in your heart. You don't have to... My wife has to minister to me afterwards, <laughs> but I know that these are people that are responding to the call, so amen. <laughs> we're happy to sow, you guys. Um, so, so we're starting on a new series, our frontline series, and this series is aimed at helping you to win at work, because the workplace is where we spend the majority of our productive hours. And it is good that we prosper in this area. It is good that we thrive in this area. So I'm very excited about this series. I'm excited uh, for two reasons. I'm excited because it's going to equip you and set you up to be the best that you can be in your workplace. That it's going to equip you to thrive, to prosper uh, in, in your workplace. We often talk about uh, the three things that we want to be a theme of anybody who considers themselves a 12. And these are the things that we pray for. I mentioned that we have a a prayer team that covers you during the week, that covers you in the service. And the the three things they pray over you consistently are that you would have a theme in your life of supernatural presence of God, that the presence of God would just supernaturally flow in your life, that there would be testimonies of how God comes through for you, how he intervenes in your life. The other thing that they pray for you over is that you would have deep and intimate and meaningful relational connections within this community, that we wouldn't just be sort of bench warming or that we wouldn't be just sort of those people who, you know, amen and we're the first ones out, first ones out the parking lot, but that, but that we would invest in relationships that they would be meaningful and, and that we'd benefit from those. The other thing that they pray for you over is that you'd prosper. You'd prosper in your finances, you'd prosper in your relationships, you'd prosper in your soul, in your body, in every aspect of your life that you'd prosper. So this is a series that undergirds those prayers, that supports those prayers, and I'm trusting that you will feel the intervention of the Lord in your personal life and in your workplace as we embark on, on this series. The second reason that I am excited about this series is that it is an opportunity for us to bring people into family, so it is—it is an easy conversation starter. Uh, in fact, do we have—do uh, we have that, uh, that that invitation slide? If we could just throw that up, it, it, this is—this is, this is a, an easy. This is—you know—every so often I give you permission to go on your phone during the service. This is one of those moments, and I'd like you to please take a picture of of uh, of the slide. We're also going to post this up on social media, on, on, uh, on, on Facebook, please uh, like the Every Nation Rosebank f- page and you'll come across that. Uh, I'll also post it on my own page. You can, uh, you, you can grab that. You can share it. Uh, I, this, this is an easy conversation starter is what I was trying to say. If we uh, are, are, have been praying for people, relating with people that we feel like could benefit from being part of family, now, we know we benefit from being part of family, and we also benefit from being part of the family of God. And that part of our mandate is to say, let's not keep this to ourselves. If we're interacting with people in our workplaces who could also benefit from being part of the family of God, let's do everything possible to, uh, to, to, to get into their world and to get them into, into, into the kingdom. Amen. So, uh, as, uh, as you're having conversations around the water cooler, do, do those still happen? Do conversations around, is that a thing? Or is, is that just joke material conversations around the water cooler? Anyway, the, the, metaphor, the metaphoric water cooler. Uh, make sure that you are having these conversations, that we're, we're engaging on a series that goes into your workplace. And the phenomenal thing is that we're going to be having people uh, that are part of our community sharing their stories with us. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, we are going to, uh, so Next week, we're going to be looking specifically um, at the theme of entrepreneurship. So I know that there are many of you uh, in this community who are entrepreneurs, uh, who have entrepreneurial inclinations, who know entrepreneurs. We want to engage with those people, and so we encourage you to bring those people into the mix. Also, after the service, we're going to have a workshop for, 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 for those people, so if you're an entrepreneur or you, you'd like to be one or you know entrepreneurs, so p- please bring them through to the service tomorrow uh, on, on Sunday. If you come tomorrow, you can see for yourself. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have uh, workshops afterwards because we want, we want our, our, our com- the, the entrepreneurs in our community to rub shoulders um, and to create community to, to support one another in prayer and in ideas and, and to also for us to know. Who are you? What are you doing? And how can we support you? Uh, we want to be that support to one another as a family. Amen. There'll be an opportunity to register at the back. So if you intend on coming, you can register at the back. Also, when we throw, when we throw that invitation up on the, on, on the social media, we'll just include a registration link. That's just so we can have an idea of how many people to expect and so that we can cater for them uh, properly. And uh, we, we, we have a phenomenal speaker who's going to be speaking for us uh, next week. Um, and uh, and we'll, we'll put that up on, on social media also, so please uh, look out for that. Awesome. Today, I want us to speak on just a biblical view on work, just creating uh, a framework for what the Scriptures have to say um, to our work. The Scriptures have a lot to say about our work, and oftentimes we can read the Scriptures and assume that the Scriptures are speaking primarily into my heart issues, into my soul issues, into my spiritual life, but that I need to go to a different manual to empower or to receive equipping for my workspace. Scriptures speak into uh, our families, they speak into uh, our spiritual lives, and they speak into our workplace. Uh, And it is possible for us to apply the spiritual principles that we receive from the scriptures uh, to thrive in our workplaces and we want to navigate uh, some of these things and I'll start us on the journey uh, this this morning Am I am I am I driving or, or, or are you guys at the back okay you're driving awesome So so if we if we could just look at that first um, that that next slide there there are there are certain things certain principles Uh, That we need to glean when we talk about work, and and could could I ask you in the meantime just to actually turn to the book of John chapter six, John chapter six, and uh, and and we'll we'll look at that. One of the things that I try to do, and if you've been journeying with us or you're part of this Twelve of family, you'll know that um, that that uh, that I love the Old Testament, Um, and I love to teach from the Old Testament, Um, and the reason is because. Old Testament really gives us context for understanding the New Testament. And so and so I don't, I don't want us to assume that the Old Testament is irrelevant for our lives. There's so many treasures there uh, that are relevant for us today and can help us in how we uh, understand the New Testament. Uh, I'll, I'll go in between the two uh, this afternoon as we look at what God is saying to us about work. So just find John chapter 6 and you can just uh, bookmark that and and we'll come, we'll come back to it. But uh, in Genesis 2:15, Genesis is a good place to start. And if we're going to understand work, then it's probably good that we go to the uh, the first mention. Remember uh, last week I, I, I taught you about this, the principle of first mention, that if you if you're wanting to understand. If there's a, a, a particular principle that you're looking at in Scripture and you're wanting to understand, a good place to start is always where is it first mentioned in Scripture. The first mention of uh, the principle of work we find in, John, in, in Genesis 2.15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So we see that God created... The world, and in fact, created the universe, and then he put a garden in Eden, and he put man in this garden, and he gave him a job. He gave him a job description. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tend this garden and to keep this garden. So your job is to cultivate it. Uh, your job is to look after it. Uh, your job is to name the animals. There is the particular tasks that Adam was given, so from From the start, we can appreciate that God's plan for mankind was that we should work. In fact, that we should wake up in the morning and find something meaningful uh, that we can do during the day. Now, I know that I'm speaking to you and you are at different points in your life. I know some of you are gainfully employed and maybe you're even frustrated with where you're at and you're looking for another place to put your hand to the plow, and some of you are trusting God for work. You're in a period maybe or even of extended unemployment, and you've been trusting, standing in faith, trusting God that He would provide for you. I'm speaking to both categories this morning. God intended that we should wake up in the morning and find something meaningful uh, for us to put our hands uh, to the plow to. So, God is interested in our work. In fact, the work that you're doing currently, the work that you're doing, the work that you're going to be doing tomorrow and for the rest of the week matters to God. It matters what you're doing. Whether you're an accountant or an engineer or a doctor or an entrepreneur or a clerk or an administrator, doesn't matter what sphere you find yourself in, whether you're a teacher or a nurse, it matters to God what you do. Here's how I know that it matters to God what you do. After um, God had given Adam this mandate of tend the garden, name the animals, watch over this place, grow it, cultivate it, and allow it to produce, the Bible tells us that God, in the cool of the day, would come and hang out with Adam. I'm extrapolating here, but please give me, uh, give me the grace. We, there's one instance where he comes to hang out with them, uh, and that's when after they'd, 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 you know, they'd uh, eaten the thing that they weren't supposed to eat. Um, but, but we can see from that that there must have been other occasions where God would come and he would hang out with Adam and Eve. That's not far-fetched, right? So, so, so the Bible tells us that in the cool of the day, now, I'm not sure when the cool of the day is exactly, but I'm going to assume it's towards sunset, right? Because midday is pretty, is pretty hot. That's not the cool of the day, right? And, uh, and, so, and so as, the, as, as the, 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 the sun is beginning to set, it's cooler. God would come along and they would hear his footsteps and he would come and he would hang out with Adam. What would he talk to Adam about? Again, I'm gonna assume. Hey Adam, how's your day, bud? Did you have a good day? Hey, you were naming animals today. How did that go? How many did you get through? Yeah, yeah, the one with the tall neck, that that must have been a difficult difficult one to name. That hey, that's a creative name. Have you thought of you know? Let's walk around the garden a little bit. I see what you're doing here. I love, I love how you're cultivating this space. Have you thought of using this? Have you thought of putting it this way? Have you thought of cultivating this? How about, in fact, I'll let, I'll let you dream about it and just think on it a little bit more. Tomorrow I'll be back around the same time. Let's chat. Let's see how, you, how you're progressing. How's that for a God who is intimately involved in the work that he gives his creation to do. Why should we think that today God is not just as interested in our work? Why should we think that He was interested in the work that He gave to Adam to do, but He is not interested in the work that He gives you and I to do? God is just as interested in the work that you and I do as He was with the work that Adam and Eve were given to do. And if we start to catch that revelation of just how interested God is in my day-to-day, we would start inviting God to come and hang with us in the cool of the day. We would start bringing God into the projects that we take on. We would start seeking Him for divine inspiration. We would, instead of going to Google first, we would go to God to seek Him for solutions, blueprints, frameworks, how to take what we're doing from theory to application, how to meet our deadlines, how to produce work that not only is God glorifying but makes us a prophet. We would start going to God for those things if we assumed that God wanted to come and walk with us in the cool of the day. In fact, let's look at... John chapter 6. John chapter 6, from verse 15, Jesus walks on the sea. What does that, this have to do with work? Just keep up with me. I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 6, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived They were about to come and take him by force to make him king. He departed again to the mountains by himself alone. Now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid." But he said to them, "It is I. Do not be afraid." Then they were will, they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Amen. Just before the disciples got into the boat to row over towards Capernaum, they had had a phenomenal ministry moment. They had had a moment that would be spoken about for thousands of years to come. We're still talking about it today. Jesus would feed the 5,000. In fact, it was 5,000 men that were counted, right? So we know that there was way more than 5,000 because it was just the men that were counted. So Jesus would feed a multitude of people using only a few fish and a few loaves. And so they have had a phenomenal win. This is a win. This is, they are feeling like they are at peak right now. This ministry thing could work out. They have just seen something phenomenal. And what happens next? Jesus withdraws from them and goes to the mountain and they get into the boat. My question to you, what do you do and where do you go when you have just had an amazing win in your work? What do you do and when do, where do you go when you have just closed an incredible deal? You've, just, you've been working on this great deal and you've finally closed it and you've got the right signatures in the right places. You're, you, everybody's excited about it. You can't believe how much money is coming in. You can't keep up with the amount of money that's about to come in. Everybody in your industry is congratulating you. You're getting phone calls from Radio 702. Kalani (laughs) wants to interview you. (laughs) ENCA, they want to talk to you. Boardrooms that wouldn't open up to you before are now inviting you to come and present. Your name is now opening doors. You have had a phenomenal win. This could be the apex of your Ministry or your workplace, what do you do and where do you go? Jesus retreated and went to be with the Father. The disciples got on the boat. I I used to work in this uh, in this company that I, won't, I won't, whose name shall be shall remain nameless, in, in, in Santon, and um, and every Monday morning we would have review. And, uh, and, and, uh, and it was about, it was a target-based environment, and so uh, review how, how the last week went, planning for the, for the week ahead on, on Monday mornings. I want to tell you, I hated Mondays. I hated Mondays because that, walking into that meeting was very, very intimidating. Because you had to present, and you had to tell everybody what, what, what were your targets, what did you meet? Why you didn't meet your targets? What you intend to do about it? You didn't look forward to this meeting. And so, you know, Sunday would roll around, and Sunday afternoon would roll around, and then the sun would start to set, and then the depression starts to it starts to roll over you. Because, <laughs> because you know, when Cot Blanche is playing, you know, that's like... <coughs> That's like the sign, oh, weekend is over. Monday, oh, man, now I have to look at my projections. Oh, I have to, the targets, oh, and I know I didn't do well this week. Oh, my goodness. Except, of course, those times when I actually did meet my targets. And, and I was on par, and I could report, and I'd, I, had made, I had made the company money this past week. Those were the days when I arrived early at work. Those were the days when I walked into that meeting with the soundtrack, you know? Here we are, born to be kings, with the princes of the universe. You know? I was confident walking into those meetings when I had had a win, I tried try to find the soundtrack, the high fives. When Jesus had a win, he retreated and went to be with the Father. Where do you go when you have had a win in your work? Watch the disciples now. The disciples are hyped up now. Adrenaline is pumping. We've just seen something incredible. We've been part of it. We've been part of it. We've we we, we, we fed these multitudes. Nobody can explain how we did it, but we did it, and it's amazing. What's the next thing? What's the, We're pumped up. We're ready. Let's use this momentum and move into the next project. Let's kill the next giant. We've just slaughtered this one. Jesus is delaying us. He went up there. He's not coming back. Hey, guys, we know what's on the itinerary. Jesus is not coming back. Let's get in the boat and let's go. We can do this thing. We just did it. We just fed a whole bunch of people. Let's get in the boat and let's go to our next thing. We're hyped up. Guess what happens? They get into the boat. They start rowing. And then the waves rise up. And the wind rise up. And the storms come. And they start to knock about the boat. Now they're thinking maybe it wasn't such a good idea to leave Jesus behind and get on the boat. And off we go. Now the storm is raging, and they're panicking, and they're thinking, we are about to die. We've made this mistake, we acknowledge this mistake, but it's too late. We're about to die, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed. They're trying to remember all the prayers, they're hanging on for dear life. I want to talk this afternoon to people in this auditorium who find themselves in a storm, who find themselves in a boat, and that boat may be your workplace, it may be your health, it may be your family, whatever it is, you find yourself in a storm, and the winds are raging, and the storm is raging and has rised up against you, and it feels like your boat is about to capsize. Are there any people that I'm talking to this afternoon who feel like they're in a storm, and you're holding on, eyes closed, teeth gritted, and you're waiting for the storm to hopefully hope against hope be over. I want to tell you, I want to tell you to open your eyes and scan the horizon because when the disciples were in the midst of the storm, they looked around and guess what they saw at a distance walking on water was the form of a man coming towards them. You see, if there is a boat in a storm in your life, there is a Jesus walking on water to meet you. Saints, I want to speak to you if you find yourself in a storm. They look at the horizon and they go, it's a ghost. On top of everything else, (laughs) we are about to die and a ghost is coming at us. What I want to encourage you to do is to look beyond what is normal. Look beyond the normal explanation. Look beyond what is acceptable. It would have been acceptable that it's dark, it's stormy, there's something like a form of a man walking on water, must be a ghost. But the one who comes towards you Who comes to your rescue in the midst of your storm. Look beyond that. Declare by faith. It's not a a ghost. It's Jesus. Jesus is coming towards me in the midst of my storm. Jesus is walking on water in the midst of my storm. And watch what happens. Scriptures tell us. They saw him. They believed that it was him. And they received him into the boat. They received him into the boat. Remember they left him behind? Remember how they thought they could do things in their own power? Remember how they forgot that, 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 that when Jesus was multiplying the loaves and they were just standing next to him, and they thought we were part of it, so we must be a big deal? Remember that? I want to take you a little bit back before he steps into the boat. Before this whole story happens, what does Jesus say? He says to Philip, they're hanging out. They see a multitude of people coming, coming towards them. Jesus raises his eyes. He looks at them. He says, hey, bud, how are we going to feed these people? How are we going to feed these people? Philip checks his purse. He says, we have a bit of cash. We have some, but not nearly enough to feed the people. See, what they should have remembered before they got on the boat, that the phenomenal victory that they had just experienced wasn't because they had enough money. It wasn't because they had the capability. It wasn't because they were talented or gifted or that they had the provisions to meet the demand. It was because Jesus asked them a question to expose their inefficiency, their deficiency, so that he could expose his all-sufficiency. So Jesus asks him, what do you have? We don't have enough to meet the need, we don't have enough to respond to the situation. Well, guess what? When Jesus steps into the situation, the economy changes. When Jesus steps into the situation, the question changes. It's no longer how much do you have to meet the situation. Now it's how many baskets of surplus am I going to collect? Come on, let's get excited about Jesus. You see, when Jesus steps into your situation, do you see the link? God walks with Adam in the cool of the day. Jesus steps into the boat during the storm. What does the scripture tell us happens? I want you to take note of this. If you are finding yourself in a storm, if you have left Jesus behind, If your workplace is rocky, if your business that you started is rocking, if your health is rocking, if your family is rocking, you feel like the waves have rised up against you, I want you to take note of what Jesus, of what happens when Jesus steps into the boat. In fact, I'm going to declare it to these people here. I feel like there's faith here. I'm going to declare it to you guys. When Jesus steps into the boat, the scripture tells us that immediately— Immediately, you guys—you know, guys—are not with me. Jesus steps into the boat immediately. Immediately, they arrived at their destination. Now, we're no longer talking about a storm. Now, the storm is irrelevant to them. They invited Jesus into their situation, and targets were met. They invited Jesus into the situation; surplus was observed. They invited Jesus into the situation, promotion came. They invited situation into uh, Jesus into that situation, healing came, restoration of relationship, immediately. I am claiming that promise for each and every one of you this afternoon. <whistlesweizado> that immediately, 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 <barelyatas subscriinding formas> that the Lord would step into your boat. And you would arrive at your destination. Let's go to the next slide, please. Here's another principle I want to highlight for you with regards to work work is a lifetime commitment, work itself is not a curse. Don't ever let anybody tell you that work is a curse, work is a blessing. Work is God's idea. In fact, he gave work to Adam and Eve before the fall when he still said, it is all very good. He gave them work. In Genesis 3, second part of verse 17, he's speaking to Adam. He says, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So the curse came. Work wasn't taken away but it would just be incredibly hard. It would be harder. You'd have to sweat for it. Before, the ground just yielded its fruits to them. Before, there was partnership between Adam and nature. After, it wasn't partnership anymore, but he had to toil, work, sweat to receive what he would get. Our purpose unfolds over the course of a lifetime. We cannot truly appreciate the magnitude of life nor the brilliance of God until we behold life in its fullness, with all its composite parts. Some bright person said that. Um. <laughs> quote me, don't quote me. <laughs> but life is a life. Uh, work is a lifetime commitment, and I, and I want to give you an example. I want to look at this, the, the the life of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus was born. He was born into a humble situation. Was that an understatement or what? He was born into a humble situation. He was born in a stable. He was born into a carpenter's family. So what did Jesus do? He learned the family trade. That's what what would have happened is that you, you taught the son the family trade, right? So if your father was a carpenter, then you became a carpenter. So for the longest time, Jesus would have learned the skills to make him A good or great carpenter, but Jesus his purpose and his destiny was not to be a carpenter, but we all have to start somewhere. I want to talk to you within your work as you're grappling for purpose. Sometimes what happens is we we we, we get discouraged, we get discouraged because we don't feel like we're attaining to the vision. We don't feel like we're carrying the purpose. We can see it over there, but it seems so far, Jesus, who is the Messiah, started out as a carpenter. You may not be walking in the fullness of your purpose yet, but guess what? It unfolds. It unfolds. As you continue to be faithful with where you are now, it unfolds. And it unfolded for Jesus until until the point where God found it right, deemed it right, that now he could step into the next season of his life. Guess what? When Jesus stopped pursuing the career of a carpenter and became a teacher, the skills that he gleaned in all these years of of, of internship prospered him here. Because he, if, if, if you're going to build anything, you have to have vision. You have to have de- a detailed mind. You have to have a plan. You have, you, you have to be systematic in your thinking. You have to have quality in, 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 as, as a consideration because you want to sell the stuff. You have to have endurance, lasting. So you have to know how to build something that lasts. I would say Jesus built something that lasts because we are still here. We are still here. So the principles that he developed over here, he used over here. How to think quality. How to think systematic. How to have a plan. How slower is faster. How to apply design and planning so that whatever it is that I'm building will last and will be able to carry weight. Where you are now is not a waste of time. The work and the skills that you are developing now are not a waste of time. God is putting skills into you that are going to prosper you. Proverbs 18 verse 16 says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before kings. A man's gifts are not all deposited ready to go, and then off you go and you're flying. A man's gifts are deposited in the form of potential. And it is up to you to develop them and to, uh, to allow the process of development to unfold to the point where your skills and your gifts become undeniable. What I am encouraging you to do is to recognize the season that you're in. You see, when you're working, it doesn't matter whether you're working on the thing that is in your heart to do. This is, your, this is, this is the, the, the desire, the passion of your life. It doesn't matter. What I'm asking you to do is wherever you are now, be diligent. Wherever you are now, be excellent. Wherever you are now, be loyal. Wherever you are now, rise above the rest. Do over and above what is expected of you. Because you know why? Let me tell you, Jacob did not stay Laban's shepherd boy forever. Did you know that? David did not look after his father's sheep forever. Did you know that Jesus didn't remain a carpenter forever, but all of them rose up? as they sought to be excellent, as they did better than what everybody else was doing, as they went further than everybody else was willing to go, as they were more diligent than everybody else was willing to be diligent, they were more faithful, they prayed more, they trusted more, more faith, and guess what? They rose. They rose and they walked into their purposes and into their destiny, and it was beautiful because they were prepared and they had the tools to carry them in that space. Have you ever seen somebody walking into an area that seems like, man, promotion has come, but that person is not ready for it? They're not skilled enough. They're not, they're not gifted enough. They don't know what they're doing. They start floundering. Start, it becomes a curse. But when we are obedient with the work that God does for us and observing the process, even when promotion comes, it is a blessing to us and to everybody else. I bless the day that Jesus changed careers. That was a beautiful day. Do you know what he had to do to mark his change of career? He went and he submitted himself to John the Baptist. Baptize me, John. What was John's response? Surely not. I, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. That's, that's what this relationship is. But Jesus would say to him, allow it to be so. Let me submit to you because I'm changing careers and I'm not assuming that I'm going to change careers and then I'm going to walk into a management position. <laughs> I, I, I'm changing careers and I'm not assuming that every door just flings wide open. Let it be so that I submit to you. Whether or not I'm more skilled than you is not the the discussion. Whether or not I have more experience than you is not the discussion. Whether or not I'm I'm better equipped than you, better looking than you is not the discussion. Let it be so that I submit to you. Because I'm going to honor the role that you have. And I'm going to honor the process that God is going to take me through. God is going to take you through and is already taking you through some processes in your life. Some of those may involve a career change. Some of those may involve picking up new things. Let it be so that God puts you under submission to people who are already where you want to be. Even if you think you're brighter, more capable, more equipped, whatever it is, whatever the more is. Jesus, who was the most equipped, allowed himself to submit to John, receive baptism from John, and then guess what? <laughs> he went to be tested. Oh, we don't like that one. You <laughs> we don't like that one. Lord, I, I, I want to I rise up. I want to rise up. Lord, I'm ready for promotion. Lord, I declare it. I pull it from the heavens. I call provisions and money from the west and the east and the north. Here are my pockets fly in right now in Jesus' name. I call upon you. I de- I'm favored, highly favored, head and not the tail. When I walk in on Monday, they're going to look at me and throw promotion at me. But Jesus had to be tested. I'm not willing to submit myself to be tested, but I'm willing to submit myself for the promotion. (laughs) Saints, as we pursue our work, let us recognize that not only are our skills developed, not only do we observe seasons, not only do we invite Jesus into our spaces, but we have to be willing to receive testing. We have to be willing to go into the desert and come out strong, and come out strong. Because, because the tools, the tools that are going to be key, that are going to be necessary for you in your place of promotion, guess where they're hiding? In the desert. You can't bypass it. We want quick promotion. You can't bypass it. The keys that are going to keep you up here, see, if you just go up here, what happens? You fall, and it is a public fall. It's embarrassing for everybody. The tools for you to succeed here are found in the desert place. Don't try and avoid the desert place. Don't try and avoid the desert place. It is a building place for you. It'll crush you. It'll crush those who don't have Jesus. But you who go with the, with the leading of the Holy Spirit, did you know that it was the Holy Spirit who led Jesus into the desert? Lead me, Holy Spirit. Your will be done I am yours. I just lay down my life. Did you know that when Jesus laid down his life to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to be tested? But submit your life to testing. Submit your life to testing. How else do you progress? You test it and you pass. You test it and you pass. Then you test it and you pass. Glory to glory to glory to glory glory come on, somebody receive that let 's stand together we're we 're going to land it there and maybe we'll we'll continue to unpack some of the other things um, th- throughout the series and hopefully we'll'll we'll find we'll find pockets to be able to be able to do that. Um, But uh, but I want want to pray for you. I want to pray for you if you are in a storm and and you're holding on. You're holding on by faith, but the boat is rocking. I want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hands? Father, you see your children. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the boat that you've put them in. I even thank you for the storm because it opens their eyes to see you walk on water. Father, I stand with them in repentance for having left you behind, for having gone from victory and assuming that they could do it in their own power. I want to thank you, Father, that you in your mercies walk on water in the midst of the storm towards them Father, I stand with them as they ask you, as they believe that it is you and ask you to step into the boat as they receive you into the boat. And I pray that you will accelerate them, accelerate, accelerate their dreams, accelerate their desires, accelerate their plans. Prosper them, Father, prosper them in everything that they lay their hands to, prosper them. Let it be said of them that immediately, immediately they arrived at their destination. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. You can put your hands down. I also want to pray uh, for another group of people, uh, and that is if you feel like I want to invite Jesus into into my boat, but but I need to take a step back. I, I left him behind a long time ago. I left him behind a long time ago and I've been trying to row by myself. I've been in the storm, and it's been stormy, and the waves have been against me, and it's been difficult. And it's been a desperate place, a dry place in my spirit, because a long time ago, I walked away from Jesus. Maybe you've never even invited Jesus into your life. I want to help you to invite Jesus into your boat, that it may be well with you. And if that is you, will you just you just lift your hands up? If you are inviting Jesus into your boat this morning, and you're going, Lord, I have been far from you. I left you a long time ago. I left you a long while ago, but I'm ready to invite you back into my space. In fact, here's what I want to do. If you've got your hands lifted, can you come up? We want to celebrate with you. We want to pray. We want to lay hands on you. So please just grab your belongings and just come up to the front if you've got your hands lifted. Let's celebrate with them, family. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You guys can just face me. You can, you can face in my direction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these special people, Father, who are saying today, that they want to invite you into their boat, who are saying today that they're tired of going it alone, of trying to do it alone, and they're inviting you into their boat. I am praying, Father, that it may be well with their souls, that it may be well with their work, that it may be well with their businesses, that it may be well with their health, that it may be well with their families, In every sphere of their lives, let it be well, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I stand with them, Father, and I ask that you would forgive them of their sins. Cleanse them, Father. Father, we plead your blood upon them that they would be new, made new and never the same again. Father, we ask that they would be connected to you and that they would never be torn from you ever again. That there would be new creations in you that as your word promises, as you step into their boat, that there be acceleration in their lives. Immediately would they arrive. Immediately would they arrive. Thank you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause?